So as we stand, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is the third highest rated film ever on IMDb. What's one and two? Number two, The Godfather. And number one, Shawshank. The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Number four, The Dark Knight. And number five. Wow, really? Number five, Inception. I specifically am struggling with my feelings around this film. I think I really liked it. Um, it's, you know, it's a unique piece. It's got a lot of cool cultural elements to it. And it almost allows itself to be separate from the, you know, the traditional Marvel films. But at the same time, there are, <clears throat> there are definitely issues with it. it almost the, the fan service I felt like was was good at first and then it just kept going and going and going so mm. I'm still trying to work out where I am with this this movie and I hope I'll come to a conclusion at the end of um, <laughs> this conversation <laughs> well, yeah what, what are your thoughts on, on this movie um, well I'm not a superhero guy as you know but as far as superhero movies go I re- I, I, this is one of the good ones to me uh, in the I enjoy it, um, and that doesn't often happen uh, with superhero movies. Obviously, I liked Into the I really liked Into the Spider Verse. I really liked the first one. Um, I watched it quite late, uh, like you know, a long time after it came out. Um, yeah, I did about a year after, I think. Yeah, I can't remember, absolutely, but I, I don't really remember it that well. I, I was meaning to rewatch it. Um, it was I was really pleasantly surprised by it because. Well, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> and also, I think um, I really like the medium. I really like that it's a cartoon. Um, and obviously, it's kind of like a, in that sense, it's like an, a, a homage to the original depiction of this character and the original format that superhero stories were told in, which is, of course, the comic book, um, Ink on Paper. And that style, you know, has been brought back in a really creative and a really fresh way. Uh, and I, I really, really enjoyed that. I didn't expect to at all. Generally speaking, I don't like what I'm gonna call adult cartoons, if that makes sense. Like, I don't I don't like cartoons that are designed, you know, uh, South Park, Rick and Morty. Simpsons, Rick and Morty, yeah, absolutely. I can't bear I mean, I love Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a different conversation. Like, I, I'm not a fan of, um, Cartoons. When I watch a movie, I quite like. I, I like acting. You know, I like. I like direct. I like the camera to be very present. I like cinematography and acting. And, and those things don't tend to come through quite as much when obviously it's it's drawing or you know it's, it's art or it's animated. That said, I love loads of animated movies. This is a this is a cartoon style of animation, so it's a little bit you know, different. Um, from the stuff like you know Kung Fu Panda and Ice Age and, and and Shrek and you know I'm not saying I don't like those just to be clear. <laughs> However, yeah, so I actually I was really pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed uh, watching a movie that's stylistic in that way. It made me think of um, <coughs> Avatar: The Last Airbender, or like in some ways like a lo-fi beats playlist on YouTube. <laughs> In a lot of ways, I actually don't care that much about the story. I mean, that's, I'm not saying I don't at all, but there's a kind of a semantic feel 
of feeling that I get mm. when um when I watch things like Avatar: The Last Airbender or these uh, across the Spider Verse or into the Spider Verse movies, the Spider Verse movies, let's call them. Um, of kind of like peace. Yeah, it's very chill. Relaxing. It's, I don't, yeah, I don't really need. To, I don't really need to be invested in the story. I just like the characters, and I like watching Miles or Gwen just swing around this like stylistic sketched New York, um, and listening to the music. Mm. Obviously, the soundtrack to this movie is huge. Mm. Metro Boomin did an incredible job. It's one of the most tightly produced albums I've heard this year <laughs> to be honest I mean simply the list of artists named on this album alone is impressive um, really really cool soundtrack really really creative fits with the, the uh, with the with the style really nicely it's mm. almost like watching a music video at points you know like yeah kind of like watching a loop on a on a lo-fi beats playlist <laughs> it's the same thing and gen- genuinely like I could just sit back and enjoy that I could. I just want to watch. You know, Miles swinging around, listening. It's it's really like cathartic, and that's a really cool way of um, tapping into Spider Man. I think, mm. like, the 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 enjoyment of Spider Man. I think is the freedom a lot of the time. As the character, you know, like the cool parts. What you want to see when you go see a Spider Man movie isn't necessarily like him battling Doc Ock or whatever villain it is this time. You know, you want to see him swinging around the city. They're the cool cinematic experiences that you go for. They're the reasons that Spider-Man video games are popular because you get to emulate that feeling of swinging around. Like, and it's done in a really cool way in this because I think the cartoon medium allows for so much more freedom in that. Um, and yeah, it goes really well with the music and it's a really cool kind of whole collection of style, I want to say. It's really cool. Are you all right? Keep <laughs> <laughs> <Dark and> coughing. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. So yeah, in that sense, huge fan of this movie. However, <laughs> obviously the story comes into it, and I think that Into the Spider Verse did for me a lot, lot better story-wise than Across the Spider Verse did, and that is because these movies are potentially the most meta films I've ever seen, especially this latest one. Um, of course, just just on like the basis of them is a meta idea. It's a fourth wall breaking concept, isn't it? Like all of the Spider Man depictions ever are brought yeah. together and all and all are referenced in this movie. So of course it's it's gonna be like really meta. That idea of having a kind of like the fourth wall breaking, the bringing all the different universes together, that lends itself well to comedy. Mm. And that's what the first movie did really well. This well, not that it actually brought the others in but you know like the concept of the different realities colliding and moving between them it, it was funny Spider-Man meeting a different version of Spider-Man from another universe like and the comedy that that would naturally create because Spider-Man is a quippy funny character mm. um, this latest one is obviously Marvel trying to move it in a serious direction and yeah. I don't think that works as well it's almost at a point where Marvel have seen the success of the first film and have decided to go okay right let's make a a real go of it let's let's continue the story and and i think you have to attempt to add those those elements of seriousness in and i think you're right the <clears throat> the bits where the one of the characters uh, miguel o'hara who is like head spider-man in spider spider society <laughs> um you know is trying to show miles all these 
different universes where bad things happen and they have to happen and and, and I think maybe some tension on seriousness was supposed to come out of, of the multiverse there and it didn't for me it, it more came from the, the growing um, nervousness around the spot and how mm. that character was develop, developing in the background while all this conflict between different spider characters was going on and the <clears throat> and the fact and at the end the tension was built in um the cliffhanger which happens you know two and a half hours into the film i'm not noticing the time you know how long the film's been on at this point i mean you know i'm enjoying the ride and this uh situation where miles is transported into the wrong universe and he meets another miles morales who ends up being um the prowler it's i think it's revealed in a very cool and funky way but funky (laughs) (laughs) funky. but specifically um you don't like the cliffhanger in film yeah absolutely um now i'm 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 the fan that got really excited at this cliffhanger and know it's cynical um but just loved it anyway where where do you stand on it in this film and and other films in general? And we touched on it at Fast X, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, like the reveal of Miles meeting the other version of himself, uh, who's become you know in the universe where Spider Man never existed because he's not there, um, and this other Miles has become the Prowler. That was a really cool reveal. I really liked that. I thought it was kind of funny that they just, you know, braided his hair and he's <laughs> he's just a gangster version of himself. Like that's all it took. Like that's, that's kind of maybe a little bit, a little bit sus. But <laughs> but other than that, um, I thought that the reveal was really cool. Cliffhangers in movies, though, like this is a a tendency that's. I mean, it's happened twice in the last what two weeks, three weeks. Um, so maybe it's not necessarily like gaining popularity. I don't know if that's accurate to say just based off two movies, but that is the first, I mean, it's two franchises that have, that have ended on a over cliffhanger. So that's not just like, you know, a little scene after the credits that Marvel sometimes do that, you know, promises an, a future, like a sequel or a movie to come, uh, but an actual cliffhanger, i.e. the plot isn't decisively rounded off. It ends without an ending in mm. a way. Um, and to me, that's that's not on not in a feature film it speaks to um it speaks to us being in a time where the differentiation between a tv series and a feature film is becoming less it's it's becoming harder to tell the difference mm. um i think i think <clears throat> marvel and are very clever. I, I think that's maybe down to what cliffhangers do for streaming services. Absolutely. The end of a TV series, um, yeah, I think Game of Thrones when Jon Snow dies, I think, uh, you know, countless line of duty end of season episodes. And I, I think the amount streaming services play into influencing film in this way I think is massively significant mm. because the the cliffhanger at the end of a series keeps you on for that year while the next series is in production mm. and it's almost you, if it wasn't cynical you could just say okay film are just film's just diversifying but 
it's one of those things where it, it, is it going to get overdone? You know, all you know, a, a loads of film franchises going to start doing this. It hark- we've talked about it before. It harkens back to the days of Saturday morning cinema, of of you know characters almost being like cartoon sketches in a in a, in a magazine or a, or a newspaper or whatever. Like their weekly installments only go on Saturday morning, and there's a cliffhanger at the end to drag you back that next Saturday. Now that's what the TV series became. That's what the TV series is, the serial or whatever. Like it's it's you know it airs weekly, um, and it's you know episode by episode and the story follows on and episodes supposedly you know good writing technique to end on a tense moment that you know is, is unfulfilled is um that you know draws well hooks the audience in to come back for the the answer for the reveal for the conclusion or whatever next week how does the character get out of this situation you know um now that makes loads of sense in the tv series and of course as you say it speaks really well to the to the to the Netflix streaming platform, whatever, because it encourages binge watching, <laughs> and that's what happens, isn't it? Like you binge watch a TV series because you what you know you what you get hooked by the characters, you get hooked by the story, and you think, all right, I'll watch one more, then I'll go to bed, or then I'll do whatever I'm supposed to be doing, <laughs> and then it ends on a cliffhanger, and you're like, oh, of course, see what happens, and you watch the next one and the next one, and I mean, like that's that's how I get you. <laughs> but I enjoy, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's the nature of a TV series, but a feature film. It's something different because you go to the cinema to see it and that's I think that's why for me having a cliffhanger in a feature film is, is criminal because you go out of your way to, to leave the house and pay for an experience for a complete story you go and pay for a complete story not half of one I mean you can't I don't I think writing a movie you should be writing a, a, a rounded off story you have a beginning middle and end not a beginning and a middle like the end is just as important now I know that this is technically an ending but it's not decisive it's 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 not enough of it you know I can't I've walked away from that movie thinking well, I, don't, I don't know what happened I don't know what's happening like I, I'm gonna have to go back and watch the next one I don't want to have to go back to to, to watch the next one I want to want to mm. and that worked that's you know up to this point that's worked I wanted to watch this movie based off Into the Spider-Verse and Into the Spider-Verse had a decisive ending you don't have to hook, we shouldn't have to hook your audience in with a cliffhanger when it's a feature film. That it annoys me a lot. It annoys me. And I hope that this isn't what Hollywood or, or just feature films, big budget movies are going to become. Um, I hope we don't see it happening more and more often because to me, it's indicative of a writing process being led by data analysts, marketing execs and you know accountants more than creative writers and, and and stories being written for engaging entertaining creative purposes mm. it's interesting you say that actually I, I was um, watching a show on Sunday and Brian Cox was on it from Succession right and he was saying that uh Often it's it's you know it's producers and execs that really run the show and writers yeah. get almost moved into a corner. You know, yeah, yeah, you've written it, but we're here to run the show now the and actually to make it back. Yeah, and and absolutely. and Brian Cox was was saying that like it's obviously the writers that we should listen to because it's their story. Mm. And films such as this. Um, yeah maybe posed towards the fact that 
other people are in charge and and other you know marketers are there going oh what what's going to bring people back um is there not something in the fact that comics do do this though you know comics would always do that at that, the end well, of that's their a, story that's a, are, are they yeah. gonna, can, can you is, is it this is what comics do or is it happening too many times for it to just be a coincidence because fast x left left was left on a cliffhanger but i mean if anyone wants to go back and watch that film regardless yeah, yeah, i'll be yeah. well I'm, I'm not going to be shocked because people will but that was horrific but like you know <laughs> comics do that at the end of, to be continued at mm. the end of a comic book so do you think is it cynical or is it true to the comic as the rest of the film kind of betrayed itself unfortunately i think it's cynical um i hear what you mean with with fast x <laughs> um but I, I think it's cynical for this reason. Your comic book is your Saturday morning um, cinema trip, you know, or maybe not something, is your Saturday morning showcase. You know, like a comic book is a short issue that's released weekly or traditionally or originally it was. Um, and so, you know, you'd get, I don't know, comic book is what, six to 10 pages sort of thing or something like that. Like it's not very long. And they're installments in a series. So the original Spider-Man comics or Batman comics or whatever, you know, they'd be telling one series, they'd be telling one story, but it'd be like in weekly installments in the same way that the TV series is. Your feature film is more like your graphic novel, which is a collection of all of those at the end. So now if you, I mean, I don't know how popular comic books are. I think there's probably still quite a community there. I, I don't know. But now graphic novels have sort of taken over that genre as far as I'm aware. Um, so you go and buy the whole series. They're not released weekly anymore. You'd go and buy like a, you know, it's a novel. Mm. and that's the same thing you're, you know your feature film is your novel your TV series is your series of short stories for a very loose comparison um, so it'd be like buying a, a graphic novel and it ending on a cliffhanger you know, this is supposed to be the whole thing mm. um, so, I mean it, it's like it's like it's just never going to end you know yeah. if, when, you, when you start it's like if every novel ever written didn't, didn't you know ended on a cliffhanger and promised a sequel every single time you'd never pick up a novel to read it in the first place because you'd just be beginning an endless journey. Mm. Um, I think that's maybe where we are with it, with this. Well, that's it. The that's what the, it feels the, like, the, isn't the it? The success of Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse, I think, allows Marvel specifically to go down another another route for the next two, three decades of, of comic-style movies. Yeah using the same superheroes that they've already used time and time again. And, and you know, the thing I'll say around, around um, animation and, and this, the reason I kind of like things done in that way is, is, is because you can be very exp expansive with an animated story. Absolutely, you know, humans, yeah. humans and a human actors have, have limitations yeah. that animation doesn't have, mm. um, which is why I think I've always really enjoyed um, a lot of it and, and concepts that are ridiculous to you know to a ridiculous concept in live action can just be displayed in something you've thought in your head that yeah. would it be impossible for humans to do just happens in a cartoon yeah. and, that, and that's something that I've you know I've always kind of liked and, and I think Marvel are going to be able to do this with old Superman's old do you think you we're going to get like other other superheroes or maybe even DC or whatever like following suit? I, I think DC. I, I think DC tried to do live action comic with Suicide Squad in twenty sixteen. I, I think they tried it, and 
really? because because it was it it was toned very differently. It was toned very differently to mm. to your blueprint um, superhero film, and it was just it was just done badly because the remake of Suicide Squad that came out only four or five years after the original <laughs> was actually pretty good, um, yeah, and, right. and it was toned completely differently. But I think yeah, I think. Maybe not so much Superman because I don't think you'll be able to get that quirky nature out of a Superman cartoon like this. Mm. Like this ha- was this was embodied with culture, and I think mm. that's one of the things that will that sets it p- apart from everything else. Oh, yeah. But th- there'll definitely be avenues to 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 do this for the next few decades. In fact, there is there is going to be a a Spider Woman version of this. Spider Woman. There's going to be. I read an article. It's been teased that there will just be Spider Women for a version of this film. Well, that feature Spider Gwen from this, you think? Spider Gwen, the Spider Woman on the so every female character from the female characters. But then I suppose this literally does depict pretty much every Spider Man depiction of all time, (laughs) doesn't it? It's just involved in this movie. Yeah, and and like you know, you could. I think you could just find a, a comic. In, in an archive, put it down, and and a, and a film like this can be done, it's yeah. based on the success of these. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I don't think this is going anywhere. Mm, the TV yeah. continued stuff, I think, is gonna gonna seep into our screens, and I, and I think there's that there's maybe a case that it actually does well for cinema though, because I still think despite cinema needing. You know, it, sh- it should have those stories that are, uh, are concise and, you know, are well written. I think with streaming services are taking away from cinema, and may- and cinema maybe needs to play a little bit dirty and and have cliffhangers to make people go back to the cinema. Yeah, because, because I I think cinema is maybe dying a little bit. And this is a complete. But that's because of the streaming service. You know what I mean? Like, and that's partially because of what. But what if the cinema like. does the same thing, but this movie's going to go onto Netflix anyway. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Or, or maybe not Netflix. I it's think Disney Plus. Yeah, I saw earlier, or well, the other day, that Now TV has a has the Spider Man collection, and it's every Spider Man movie, mm. like Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire, plus the Spider Verse mm. movies, all there on Now TV in a collection together. Like, that's already happened. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. like, it'll be. De- I mean, Air is already on a Air, you know, Air Jordan movie. Yeah, yeah. Already, already on, on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Yeah. If, and how long has that been? It's been what a month. Yeah, but like, I th- and that's probably because it maybe flopped a bit. I, I don't think it flopped. I think a lot of these, a lot of films like that have the opening weekend, and then there is literally then, no yeah, reason. It trails like, off. Yeah. If you're not going to go and see it on the opening two weekends, you probably won't. Well, but I, I can't. Maybe that's the case for a lot of films. Actually, yeah, like you're either the diehard fan that's gonna that can't wait for it to come out and is gonna go the second it drops, or you, you I mean, you hear it all the time. I'll just wait for it to come out on Netflix mm. or whatever. And I mean, that attitude has always been there. I'll wait for it on DVD, I'll wait for it on yeah, DVD. Yeah, so yeah. that attitude's always been there. But these streaming services make it almost impossible for, you know, for cinema to keep a film in for more than Completely. Like, four weeks. But then giving your movie a cliffhanger doesn't negate that. Well. Because, you know, it, because, it, because, it end, because it doesn't end decisively and promises a sequel coming next year or whatever mm. isn't going to drag you back to the cinema. Or isn't going to make you want to go to the cinema in the first place necessarily. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't really understand it as a, as a narrative technique. Mm. I think it's, I, I don't think it, there's anything to be gained from it. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to be gained from it in, in, in modern cinema. Mm. So, so, 
What about um, some of the characters that had quite prominent roles in this film? So, you know, it wasn't just Miles. There were lots of different versions of Spider-Man. It's every version of Spider-Man, yeah. wasn't there? Um, and some got a really uh, big role. Gwen seemed to be the fourth, you know, almost the protagonist well, yeah. um, of the film. There was uh, Jessica Drew, the pregnant Spider-Woman on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Pavita... Prabhakar I think I did alright there nice. um, and uh, Hobie Brown all portraying very different versions of, of Spider-Man that, those were the kind of specific ones I remember um, now I want to talk about Gwen in a second okay. but I think we should talk about Hobie Brown mm. now Against the Hobie Brown, the what? Against the authority, Spider-Man. The, uh, the Spider-Punk anarchist character was something I'd never seen before. So he was introduced in 2014. That character, um, so he's relatively new to the to the Spider-Man. So is Miles Morales. Miles Morales was only introduced in 2011. So these are all you know fairly new concepts. Funnily enough, Jessica Drew, the one on the motorcycle, was introduced like in the 70s but mm. kind of never made another appearance um, and they were all really they were interesting I liked a lot of them Daniel Kaluuya plays Hobie Brown you didn't like Hobie Brown I hated Hobie Brown from the second he was on screen I mean I didn't know it was coming but it's that very typical I mean not only against Daniel Kaluuya I think he did a really good job and the character did have some really funny lines that yeah, the bus going off a bridge explosion here. It's a metaphor for capitalism. Like stuff like that was pretty good. Like it, it, there was a, he, the character's presence made sense. Fit with the movie. I just hate that American thing where like the Brit, like it, the character was like three British stereotypes in one. You know, and I hated that. It, re it was really annoying. Yeah, there was like I, I don't know. It was like moody. Well, there's the, against there's the anarchist authority. punk rock yeah, Sex yeah. Pistols thing, but there's also the kind of like, like the modern urban dialect that he uses as well. You know, it's like inner city British slang and stuff, and it's kind of like the the mix between the sort of you know '90s punk rocker, but then also like the modern street kid. Like, and it doesn't, I don't know, doesn't really. It's trying to do it like every British stereotype or a multiple uh, British stereotypes in one character. And I don't like that. It's not a British character. It's too overtly. It's That's the same problem that like every I mean, time an American movie tries to do something, yeah, British, it just doesn't hit. Like, yeah, yeah, that, it's just kind of patronising. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they always get it wrong. Um, <laughs> usually, it's the posh Chelsea character, you know, um, and it, to be fair, it's usually one of the two. It's it's Ooh. it's the posh character from Chelsea, like in you. Which after thirty minutes almost stopped me from watching the whole season, <laughs> or, or it's where we are here. I mean, I didn't mind it. I think I think my love for uh, for Daniel Kaluuya probably just let me ride, go along with the ride. You know, um, I did feel like it was a bit. It was getting overdone towards the end of the film. Like he always had something to say in every situation, and mm. I don't know again if if that's what. The Americans are saying about us. <laughs> well, <laughs> Always I mean, got a comment to make against yeah. capitalism or something like that. Maybe we do. I don't know. But um, Spider Man's naturally a very quippy character. You know, like that whole is always a sort of like quick wit jokes, like like making light hearted 
you know, a lot high vibe out of every situation. And that kind of became unbearable in this in like the first five minutes because there's just like five Spider-Mans on the screen, you know? <laughs> and it becomes, I mean, like, you know, Gwen, I remember in, in her universe right at the beginning of the movie, she's battling that weird drawing thing that's come out of Renaissance Italy. And there's another two Spider-Man and, and, and there's just too much comedy happening at once. There's too much like ironic, quippy phrases happening all the time. And it kind of got annoying, but I can sort of forgive it because that's what's a, that's what Spider-Man's supposed to be, and it leans really, it leans really far into that. But Hobie was just on another level, wasn't he? Like when it when you're a quippy Spider-Man, but you're also a British anarchist. I mean, that's just insufferable. <laughs> I I read this um, little clip about Hobie Brown and his his origin story, so I'm going to read it out to you. Foul-mouthed teenager Hobie Brown was living as a squatter in America, ruled by the fascist regime regime of President Ozzy Osbourne. Oh my god. He was bitten by... <laughs> <laughs> He was bitten by a spider, irradiated by illegal waste dumping which made him into spider a spider totem. He proclaimed himself as a Spider-Man and began to fight for freedom alongside friend, Captain Anarchy. As leader of the Spider Army that fought against Osborne's oppression, Spider-Man utilized his free spirit as a radioactive suicide machine to rally support from the lowest classes that the regime was aiming to stamp out in the name of America's strength. (laughs) When Osborne personally led his forces to make America great again, the Thunderbolt department empowered by the use of venom, Spider-Man used 15,000 volts of punk rock (laughs) (laughs) out of an army of amps to disable the new symbiote? Symbiotic? Symbiotes. Symbiotes. Then defeated Osborne himself by beheading him with his guitar before unmasking him to the viewing crowd. Why have they made Ozzy Osborne such a villain? <laughs> I don't know, maybe because everyone just knows Ozzy Osborne. <laughs> and he bit the head off a bat once, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all low it's all of <laughs> indirect at Batman. <laughs> I guess it's kinda of funny actually, like I don't I wanna say about, you know, the, the Hobie um origin story that like you shouldn't be making spider-man political I don't, I don't like that but then thinking about it i guess he kind of is like you know the sort of the themes that are forced through from a spider-man from the spider-man concept you know freedom vigilante justice individualism so you know like and also the fact that he's kind of flying around in almost america's american flag colors <laughs> like maybe speaks to him being an integral part of American culture and politics, and maybe that's quite a cool thing, but but yeah, anyway, you wanted to talk about Gwen. <laughs> so yeah, Gwen Stacy has become um, a controversial topic in, you know, with the fallout of the film, and um, I don't know how long it will last, but right. strap in J.K. Rowling, because the trans community has aligned with, with Gwen Stacy. Now, in the film... <laughs> Gwen Stacy um, is seemingly draped in pink and blue throughout quite a lot of the film, um, which is the same colour as the trans flag. Um, uh. Now, some, not not haters, say it's uh, it's irrelevant because that's how Gwen Stacy is depicted in the comics. Uh, um, obviously, some haters have absolutely gone wild and 
um, you know, sent death threats to people trying to say that she is a direct representation of the trans community. The team that created uh, Into the Spider-Verse came out and, and discussed that Into the Spider-Verse was an opportunity to, you know, represent marginalised cultures um, and that the opportunity to do that is endless. Um, so I was quite interested to read to read that that is maybe something that happened. I, I, I mean, I didn't notice it specifically, but I could kind of get it. I could get where that community is coming from in terms of the way Gwen Stacy is portrayed in the film. But is that do, do, do we need to go into that? I mean, is is I, I don't really understand. I don't really because when unfortunately at the minute the you know you know as soon as the trans community is speaking out about things like representation and films and media and stuff like that just massive hate come you know comes with straight away yeah. from the other side um and i just wonder do, do film producers keep doing it do, you know what where where do we go do, do you did you could you see it in gwen stacy at all i had i did not notice at all um but but i guess we're not, you know, but I'm not we're not experienced in that way. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking for it. it. That doesn't speak to me, um, because, yeah, I mean that's not an issue that I'm faced with, and I am, uh, of course, privileged in that position. But I, I, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I didn't notice at all. Then um, now you mention it, you're right. She's in the uh, the colours of the um, of the trans flag and. I think if someone was to watch this movie, it's the same, it's the same as the Harry Potter thing, you know? It's, it's if, same, if you want to. If, I, yeah, if you if watch you that to. and this is what you take from it, that's what you identify with, and that character speaks to you and your personality in that way, then that is yours, and that's yeah. awesome. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool that, that we've got a Spider-Man character out here flying the flag for the trans community. Like That's, that's really, really cool. And if that was intentional by the, uh, the, by the, the writing team, then brilliant, or the, the art team maybe, then brilliant. However, I don't, really I want to finish, you know, really I don't want to touch on it further than that, but I will say, part of me thinks that if you're going to do representation, do it. So Gwen Stacy's character is referred to as female. Mm. She's, as far as we're aware, not trans. She's, she's Miles Morales' love interest, quite overtly. To the point where she meets his parents and they they talk about you know the the, the nice young girl or the young girl leading him uh, leading miles astray depending on what part of the movie you're at, um, and so I think there's quite a lot of um, of of evidence to the idea that that's just a coincidence and she's not really a trans character or supposed to represent the trans community in that way. I think if you're going to provide that much evidence to both sides, you're sort of maybe encouraging that conflict mm. you know i think if you're going to do um uh representation then just commit to it commit to it however like, like that being said i really really like that some people can take that from this movie and then and others like me totally ignorant can go and watch it and not notice it at all it doesn't affect anybody either way mm. and I, I really like that mm. so it's, it's difficult it's difficult to say it, it is really hard and i think obviously the conflicts around all of this comes from the fact that it's lots of different communities and, co and people of different backgrounds that are that all share this one creative you know 
carry this this one place which is spider-man in the same way that the harry potter fandom is massive and, and of course spans across multiple different cultures and communities and so when somebody tries to tar it with an objective idea like oh lupin is trans or, or gwen stacy is trans or whatever you're going to have one section of that fandom go yeah that's awesome like i com completely see that that's definitely the case and another section say how dare you try and tar something that i love mm. with this thing that i don't understand and disagree with uh, with politics or whatever so it it is difficult so i, I guess I think we have to just leave it there. I, well, I, I guess ultimately, yeah, like ambiguity is the way. It's just, it's just, it's just straight, strange that it's caused such an outrage. Um, and yeah, it's just strange that a film so innocent and peaceful has caused such an outrage <laughs> online, which, and it's probably mostly on Twitter. Uh, I think it is yeah, mostly it's, on it's Twitter. This, it, but, yeah, it's like, the whole concept of you know despite every spider-man character hiding their identity and ultimately at some point having to reveal it to in gwen's state in gwen's case her father in miles as well it's his parents as well actually but you know in, it, traditionally it's the aunt and uncle um ben and may having to reveal their identity as spider-man to the people close to them in their lives and be accepted i mean i can very much see the parable to yeah to lgbt issues yeah there um and well, just it pops into my head. Do, do you want to know how uh, Spider Rex was uh, infected? Spider Rex made a cameo, tried to bite Miles Go on. while he was escaping. We well, have a guess. Okay, no guess. I, I don't even. Uh, who is Spider Rex? <laughs> the dinosaur. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was just there. Spider Rex. Yeah, actually, completely forgot. And, yeah, uh, there's, there's a spider dinosaur that shows. Yeah, right. And uh, was bit was was hit by a meteorite of uh, radioactive spiders. Oh right, well, of course. How else? <laughs> and uh, got all the powers spec apart from agility, apparently. <laughs> Despite all of those spiders, yeah. There are so many cameos and so many like yeah, this this is just so meta, isn't it? There are so many so many appearances. I mean Donald Glover is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the video game depictions of Spider Man show up multiple times. Like even that one from Paint. Like, that isn't even a movie like the memes turn up and everything yeah. of course they do. and the con the very concept of the plot being based around breaking the canon it is a fourth wall breaking concept mm. you know like we're acknowledging the fact that every Spider-Man movie always follows the same arc and same storyline and Miles is going to be the first one to deny that and change it but you know <laughs> in it's sort of usually I really don't like um as I've referred to in the sci-fi article I wrote a little while back, like I hate movies or, or stories that lean on the concept of multiple realities and parallel universes, especially when they start colliding, because it just gets too confusing. And that is definitely the case with this. It works really well for the humour, but when, when the serious side of the story, like the whole breaking the canon thing, like it pushes me away a bit. And it's annoying because that plus the cliffhanger really make me want may make me dislike a, mo a movie that otherwise i really want to have enjoyed mm. and i really I, I do really like so i think it might be time to give it a rating all right um i'm gonna let you go first <laughs> okay um well as i say like i really like the um I really like the, the, the art style. Uh, it's something that I can really get on board with and 
it really surprised me how much uh, with the first one that is it really surprised me how much I liked it to be honest I think the whole sort of just watching a character or watching this kind of art style um, to this kind of music or whatever is, is a really cool peaceful enjoyable experience and to an extent I'd love there to be loads more movies and just to sit back and just, just, to, just to experience them I don't really care that much about the story as I've already said um, it specifically fits really well with Spider-Man so I guess in a way like even though I really like this medium this whole comic book on the screen thing I don't really want it to to, to go into other you know branch into other superheroes or other characters that much because it does fit really well with Spider-Man I'm not as I've said a million times now I've got a superhero fan but this movie made me like all these movies the, the Spider-Verse movies made me like Spider-Man because it kind of like you know it, it's it's cathartic in the sense that it gives you what you you would do if you were spider-man part of the enjoyment would just be chilling on rooftops and sitting upside down on you know on ceilings and walls and stuff and listening to music and swinging around and just just enjoying the freedom of it it's not always about the saving the world crime fighting kind of it's like just the freedom aspect of of spider-man it really spoke to that for me and that, that i loved um however unfortunately the serious story that Marvel are trying to push through with it, I'm not interested in. It just annoys me. It's just a bit confusing. And obviously the cliffhanger is a huge problem. So I'm gonna give it oh it just sounds like really indecisive. I'm gonna give it a seven. It it deserves an eight, but that cliffhanger. Mm. Um Yeah, I I'm gonna I, I think I'll I'll give it an eight. Um I think cliffhanger didn't bother me here I it should have bothered me it didn't um, because I was so excited with alternative miles being prowler I kind of just was like yep I'm in <laughs> uh, I, I think that the the create the creative the how creative this film was I, I, I massively appreciate and maybe wasn't hugely emotionally invested but there were moments you know when Gwen returned to um, to her father after being estranged for quite a long time and then a father kind of dropping in that he was no longer a police commissioner you know those little things where Gwen th knew that her father was going to die at some point because he was a, a police captain mm. and she just knew that throughout that and then she returned and he said, I can't even do this job anymore. And I, I love like moments like that in, in story. Um, so I, I there plot was, points. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but like plot points done, you know, yeah, done yeah, effectively. Yeah, no, I, I a lot of plot the points are done badly. Emotion so emotion through, came yeah. through for me in a lot of places. The, um, the multiverse thing was fun. I, I think you're right. The, this, I, did, I didn't see that, see it as a serious, you know, I didn't see much of the, the multiverse thing as a serious plot line. I just enjoyed the experience. So I'll give it an eight. Um, I didn't really have any problems. And, and maybe there's something wrong with, with, I don't always have a problem with the capitalism that comes with certain hmm. films. We haven't talked about that. Yeah. Um, you kind of edu you kind of pointed out a few things um, that maybe we should have a problem with. Don't know if you wanna... Well, I think it's interesting that this movie, um, it, it, it kind of marries like three components of modern culture, specifically American culture, that are, you know, are at the forefront of, I don't know, popular 
what's the word here? Just say culture. Hashtags. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is the stuff that people care about, right? And that is music, style, fashion, and sport. Um, specifically basketball. Uh, because, of course, that is the sport that would fit in the middle of that Venn diagram between music and Is that wearing a night. Brooklyn Knicks jersey, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> it says Brooklyn, but it's the Knicks colours. Yeah, of course. Miles is wearing a, uh, a a basketball jersey that says Brooklyn, but it's Knicks colours, yeah, which yeah. is obviously going to piss off both teams there. <laughs> maybe a bit strange. Like, but that's maybe that's just a way of being like, it's New York. <laughs> like, yeah. cover all bases. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. But like, I think, you know, the... Uh, like the Jordans that are being sold off the back of this movie there's been a couple you know like the actual Spider-Man Jordans um, the shoes that Miles wears the shoes that the Prowler version of Miles wears I think are set to be released as well like does it, uh, and all of this coming out at this at the time that the NBA playoffs are happening like it, it's maybe a little bit cynical um, it's obviously just a movie trying to sell shoes again in a way and and I mean, I guess it's not trying to promote basketball, but as a, to an extent, that comes through. Yeah. But it does make me think, yet again, like it, it points to yet again, the creative vision here being led by marketing execs and yeah, by money and by money, yeah, and not by writers necessarily. However, that all said, I'm not mad at it because I really like basketball <laughs> and I like that kind of music. So you know, it's difficult for me. 